got your attention? If you have your feet up, sitting on the couch, waiting for the next alarm, then you should be tuning into the Ready Room Podcast. The Ready Room Podcast. Sponsored by Gems. No rules. No rules. No format. No format. An amalgamation of topics that will leave you wanting more. And now, join your host, Derek Jacobus, bringing you all things in retrieval medicine. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ready Room Podcast. I had the opportunity and pleasure to speak at the National Conference for EMS today in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and the topic that I had the opportunity to speak about is wearable technology in healthcare. Specifically, I kind of want to break this down a little bit and give you guys a little bit of insight since you were not able to make it to the conference, and I wanted to go narrow it down to what Apple is specifically doing here in technology for healthcare. Before we talk about what technology is, kind of have to understand how it works. So up in the sky, look, there's clouds floating, there's puffy white clouds currently. If you look up, well, that is not the cloud that all of our data goes to. So our data actually goes to a cloud, which is actually a server based in a different place. It may be a different country, it may be based here domestically in the United States. But that is a server that basically takes our data and pushes it where it needs to go to. So we have our Apple iPhone and we jump on a social media application and we want to send a message to somebody. That message first hits that cloud and then the cloud decides where it needs to go to. And that's the same for no matter what device we have, whether it be an automatic thermostat. Uh, thermostats jumped on a few years ago and it is a wonderful thing to be able to go in and if you are a typical father like I am you know that the kids or your spouse may change the temperature settings and you want to make sure that it stays within that hey listen I am always a 68 degree type of guy so if the temperature gets turned up to 70 71 72 Hey, we can't have that. So I can jump in the app and then turn that back down to 68. And all that is doing is communicating between my device, the cloud server where that thermostat lives, and then back out to the thermostat itself. And that's the same for lights. A lot of brand names have jumped to the smart lights. You can get a very generic name or uh, Philips Hue has them, uh, LifeX has them. There are a bunch of different brands that have it, but work in the same exact way. And the thing that I find completely fascinating is there's now appliances that are connected to the internet. I'm not 100% sure why. Uh, A student in my class talked about it today. I think it is Samsung that has a camera inside of it. So you can jump on your app at any time and check out what is actually in your fridge. I couldn't find an exact reason for it, but a student in the class that I taught today had a really good idea of when you're at the store that you can jump into your app and take a peek at what's in your fridge to see if you are missing eggs or if you are missing milk and to see if you need to buy anything else, which is, I I guess, in a good sense, but you're paying a pretty price for probably of an increase of three, four, or $500 extra compared to a normal fridge. So our smartwatches, I mean, you can use them for anything at this point. I mean, smartwatches can give you alerts, notifications to messages, emails. Uh, You can actually message directly from your device. Uh, It all came about you in the fitness trackers back when Fitbit came on. 
Uh, most of them are GPS enabled at this point. Uh, you can purchase ones that have cellular access to where they are a standalone device. And those standalone devices usually get assigned a phone number so you can actually call directly from that device and it's tied into your cell phone. Uh, it, most of them have independent music applications. So if you wanted to go out for a run, you can tie your music directly into it and therefore tie your music directly into it and therefore having access to listen to all of your playlists without actually having to carry your phone out on your run or your bike ride. There's tons of health and wellness uh, in Apple specifically, since we're talking about that. They have the Breathe, and with the release of iOS 15, they now have a almost a meditation type of application. You can do an EKG, you can, do, um, you can connect it to a blood pressure cuff via Bluetooth, and there's developments to move on to have EEGs, EMGs, uh, PPGs, uh, heart sounds, respiration, sleep, motion monitoring. I mean, the, the, the list is endless and a lot of these are tied into maybe uh, prescription physician or physician prescriptions that can give you access to some of these and they'll tie directly into your uh, smartwatches and some of them into your smartphone. There's a ton of them out there. Uh, the Apple Watch 7 just recently came out. So Apple Watch 4 through 7 can actually do your EKGs, your pulse oxes, uh, the Samsung Galaxy, Galaxy Watch 2 through 4. Uh, there's the Withings Scan Watch, which is also out there. Uh, the Fitbit Sense. Fitbit actually has a watch that looks similar to an Apple Watch. Uh, and then you have the Amazfit SmartWatch 2, which is a uh, Amazon-type product. And with these, you can share fitness progress with friends, coaches, medical professionals, and then you can use AI to kind of determine if there's any kind of progressive problems, almost like a uh, trend for vital signs. These have been used in infants to avoid SIDS in a creative setting. Uh, you can track real-time changes. You can get low heart rate notifications. You can get AFib notifications. There is a lot of things that can be attributed specifically to the, what the device can actually do. And I kind of want to share a story here is I had the opportunity to speak with a parent recently. Um, and that parent had a child, uh, just for sake, we'll call her Maria. Um, Maria was a child who grew up with a mother, father, had every opportunity afforded to her. She had the chance to go to private school at one point, uh, transitioned in middle school to a public school setting. Uh, she started playing sports as she got older. She picked up soccer. She picked up lacrosse. Uh, she, as she got through high school, she played in lacrosse, met a lot of friends, and ended up getting a scholarship to a local college. She went to this local college and she met additional people and what does every college freshman do? Well, most of them go out and they have freedom for the first time. So they go out, they make friends and they may make curious choices. Some of them choices may be drinking, some of them may be doing drugs. Well, even though Maria came home for the holidays on Christmas, when she came home, there was no red flags. No one saw anything. No one would have believed anything different. She hung out with her friends. She went to uh, Christmas parties, family parties, uh, met up with local friends that she does not go to college with. Well, 
lo and behold, she goes back to college, and a few months later, at about 2 o'clock in the morning, her mother gets a notification that a, fall, a hard fall occurred uh, on Maria's Apple Watch. Uh, that text message came through, and then a few minutes later, she didn't understand what it was, but a few minutes later, she got a notification of a uh, SOS. That trigger from that Apple Watch made uh, Maria's parents a little bit concerned, it gave, in that text message, in that SOS text message, it actually gave a GPS coordinates. So those GPS coordinates were actually on the campus where Maria went to college. Well, what does Maria's parents do since they got this SOS notification and now saying that there may be some trouble? They called local law enforcement, uh, college security went out, college law enforcement went out, and they eventually found Maria laying on the ground, unconscious and unresponsive. Her Apple Watch was completely destroyed from the fall. Uh, fortunately, Maria succumbed to an overdose, and while she was trying to walk back from a party back to her campus, uh, fortunately she overdosed, fell, and she was walking by herself. It was about 2.30 in the morning. But that SOS notification got help to her within minutes of the overdose actually occurring. Uh, but unfortunately, she was not able to be resuscitated. Well, that kind of that story kind of piqued my interest a little bit of what what these devices can actually do to help us in healthcare. And for EMS, there is a lot of benefits of having technology and healthcare available. And specifically, that fall indicator kind of started triggering some questions in the Maria's parents' minds of what actually happened to her. And then when the police were able to look at her devices, she was they were able to track exactly where she walked and she walked from a party and she was trying to make it back to her dorm room. And then you were able to see her heart rate gradually go and become more bradycardic. And eventually you see the point where her heart rate hits zero. And there was a good 10 to 15 minutes before help arrived and before they attempted resuscitation. I tell you that because this technology is as amazing as amazing can be to where now her parents are getting real-time notifications that there is a trouble, that there's an issue, that she may need help. And they did the right thing and after a few times of trying to call her and unable to call her, they actually called the police. But where this technology wasn't here five, I was going to say five to ten years ago, but I mean, just five years ago, this technology wasn't necessarily there. So where are we going in the next five years? I'm actually really excited to see what technology can bring us and where can we go over the next five years. Because as we're progressing now, there is a lot of benefits for healthcare in what we wear around our watch, what we carry in our pockets for our smartwatches, and I hope it only gets better. So how can this be implemented into our clinical practice? Well, there was an article published on June 6, 2020 in Springer Science, and it basically reads a recent findings, and I'm going to read you verbatim from the paper, is by harnessing exciting developments in personalization, digitation, wellness, and patient engagement, Care providers can improve health outcomes for our patients in a way we have never been able to do so in the past. While new technologies capture individual health metrics are everywhere, how can we use this information to make a real difference in our patient lives? 
navigating the complicated landscape of personal wearable devices, asthma inhaler sensors, and exercise apps can be daunting even to most tech-savvy physician. So we recognize that there is a need that we do have a lot of data, but what do we do with this data? And a lot of people really don't know what we're supposed to do with this data. Because now instead of relying on just the information that we get from doctor's offices or inside hospitals, now the patient's giving us our own kind of trends over time. And one of the most damaging phrases anywhere in the English language, at least for me, is it's always been done this way. Well, you get an EMS call and as you're responding, it's about two o'clock in the morning and you're going out for chest pain. As you go out to that chest pain call, you pull up to the scene and you're met by the daughter of an elderly gentleman. And she says, uh, I came over because dad wasn't answering his phone. And he said he has really, really bad chest pain um, and said it's been going on this way. You ask for patient medical history. You ask for medications, allergies. Uh, the daughter really doesn't know. Uh, the daughter isn't actively involved in his healthcare, so she can't provide a whole lot of information. So now what? Well, that's a, that's where we currently are in healthcare. Is we we kind of take everything and it's whispered down the lane in a sense. Think about it. So if the daughter even had information, so she gives you information, but the patient is very sick and you need to continue to attend to the patient. You start working and putting 12 lead, putting in an IV, starting nitro, aspirin. Uh, meanwhile, the daughter is talking to you and maybe giving you the medical history or giving you a background. How much of that are you actually retaining? Take it a step forward. Now you go to the hospital. Now once you get to the emergency room, now you gotta give that information to a nurse and then that nurse has to give that information to a physician. Kind of whisper down the lane. How much is actually going to be lost as you move forward? Probably a lot. Well. Why, why do we need to be that way in an era of technology? The, the status quo is not having an incomplete history. I mean, that, that's poor performance on our part, at least that I think so. Why, why can't it be better? Well, it can be better, just technology needs to get there. And I'm gonna give you some ideas of where we could go and where are we now that can do a lot better than just taking whisper down a lane medical histories and um, medicines and allergies and uh, symptoms that the patients had over the last week or so, we could do a lot better. So let's talk about Apple and the Apple Health app. So the Apple Health app, and if you have an iPhone, you can actually, while you're doing this, if you are not driving, you can pop up your uh, Apple Health app and kind of follow along to see some of the changes that have happened. So iOS 15 recently dropped over the last uh, month or so, and I'm sure this podcast will be outdated next year when uh, iOS 16 gets released. But currently, when you pop open, there's three tabs at the bottom, Summary, Sharing, and Browse. And in summary, you have a kind of gives you a little bit of everything. And this is everything that you have allowed the phone to kind of um, have access to the data. So if you've allowed your Apple Watch to provide and dump you all your uh, fitness metrics in there, that's what's actually going to show up. If you have a third party heart rate monitor, that may show up. If you have a Bluetooth blood pressure cuff, that also may show up. 
there's some that if you have in your, I specifically have my favorites that I have sleep in there. And on sleep, it depends if you wear your Apple Watch, but it will monitor your, uh, your sleep habits. And surprisingly, mine says that I get seven hours and 57 minutes time in bed. So that basically monitors your movement while you're laying down and trying to go to sleep. Uh, I average about 5,704 steps a day, and that'll give me all the data over that time. Uh, you can also go down and click show all health data, and that'll give you everything that the device actually has. And there's a lot of information uh, between active or activity, active energy, resting energy, basically your calories burned. Uh, heart rate, uh, the new thing, if you have a somewhat new Apple Watch, it will give you environmental sound levels. And there's actually research being conducted right now by Apple on that environmental sound levels. And it'll give you over a seven-day exposure if there's some warning, if it's okay, or if you've had too much exposure. Uh, if you're in the air medical industry, I will tell you from past, hi past history, you will get a lot of red flags as you deal with your, uh, if you wear your Apple Watch in the aircraft. Uh, it'll give you stand minutes, steps, uh, walking plus running distance, uh, your O2 saturation, the length of your step, your walking speed. Uh, it, it gives a lot of information. Recently, they've uh, with COVID, they released hand washing. And as you wash your hands, a countdown on your Apple Watch will start to count down from uh, 20 all the way down to zero. And ideally, you would want to wash your hands for 20 seconds and your uh, watch will alert you at the end of 20 seconds and congratulate you on doing such a good job. Uh, it will also give you resting heart rate, a walking heart rate average. And then over the last seven days, it'll tell you what you've actually uh, done for workouts, your stair speeds, stair speed going down, and then your spare stair speed going up. Uh, your walking steadiness, which is good for some of our elderly patients or our elderly family members. Uh, your headphone audio levels. I wear my ear pods quite often, so it'll tell you if you actually have that volume loud. Uh, any EKGs that you've done in the past, and then any medications, lab results, uh, clinical vitals that have been taken from your physician's office. If you have, if you gave permission to your health system to put information into your health application, uh, different conditions. There is a lot of information that can dump into this health application, which basically puts your medical history in the palm of your hand. Well, if we push this education out to our community, whether it be by presentations or community medicine, we can push this out and have a lot of our patients start to transition to something like this to where it makes our life a little bit easier. So when we arrive on scene, they can simply pull up the health app and we can kind of take the information that we need and then bring that off to the hospital to make sure that we are getting the full picture and not missing a piece when it comes to things like differential diagnosis, when the intensivist is in the hospital and trying to look at the whole picture to try to figure out what's actually going on. Another feature of the Apple OS is sharing. You can share with up to five people. Uh, the idea kind of behind this was sharing it with uh, elderly parents. They can kind of push out it, uh, trends and EKGs and you can kind of see what's going on if they have any kind of steadiness issues all that notifications will come off and dump right into your device so you're able to kind of keep track of what mom's doing, what dad's doing, uh, maybe grandmom. All those notifications uh, allow you going to see all that. Obviously with privacy, 
you need to make sure that both devices are allowing the information to flow in between. Uh, the sharing feature is not turned on by default, just like the fall notification that we talked with Maria, the fall notification is not on by default unless you put your age into your health app as over 55. Anything over 55, it will automatically turn that fall notification on. You don't need to do anything, but otherwise by default, you actually need to turn that on and same goes with the walking steadiness. You actually need to turn that on, but anything over 55, it'll actually be uh, as a default. And then you can trigger, if you have a sharing with you, you can jump into mom's profile and you can actually see her trends. Uh, whether it be blood oxygen, sleep, walking, like I said, all that stuff is on there. Uh, another feature that is if your health system or your medical office participates, you can actually push this information that you have. So the pulse oxes, your blood pressures, your heart rates, you can push all this into a tab into uh, your doctor's medical history. Uh, it's not going to overwrite anything that they currently have, and it'll be an optional tab for that physician or your care clinician to jump in and view. But that information now pushes into your permanent medical record uh, at your primary care or your uh, specialist. So for us, if we have a patient that we need to kind of figure out how to get that medical ID and how to see what's actually available, well, first, the user needs to allow the medical ID to be available via lock screen. Again, it is not a default. You actually have to go in and actually allow that to happen. And that's all done through the health app. You would jump in and try to open the phone. The phone is going to prompt you for the passcode. Obviously, if you do not know the passcode or you cannot trigger face ID, it'll give you the option to either put that password in or give you an option to push emergency. Push emergency, it'll bring you out to a keypad to where if you are able to call 911, or your emergency providers, or you can jump down and select medical ID in the bottom left. And when you select medical ID in the bottom left, it will give you all the information that you need to get a basic picture of what is what the patient's medical history is, uh, what their blood types are. Uh, it gives you a lot of information that you would specifically need for the, your patient care report and to transfer things off to the hospital. For example, it'll give you the name, it'll tell you how old they are, it'll, if they're an organ donor, they will also tell you that. Uh, they'll ask for medical conditions. If you have any medical notes, me specifically, I put my hospital preferences in there and that's only for insurance purposes. Uh, I cannot go to my local hospital for insurance purposes. I actually need to go to the next one a little bit further. Uh, I specifically put my last tetanus shot in there, and that's just for me to remember. If uh, you ever run into an issue, specifically, I put a nail through my hand. So when I got my tetanus shot, I made sure I documented that. So if they ever ask me in the next 10 years, I can actually go back and remember when I actually got that tetanus shot. Uh, allergies and reactions, medications, blood type, uh, the height and weight of the patient, which is that hopefully beneficial for medication purposes, and any emergency contacts that they may have uh, added on to that as well. And that way you can reach out and go call somebody if you needed to, to get some clarification on the information that you're seeing, or obviously to make notification that 911 is there for some reason or another. With the Apple Watch, you will get notifications. Uh, specifically, if you have, you will get notifications if your shared profiles also have any kind of alerts. 
So if mom has a new resting heart rate trend, there's been a change in mom's average resting heart rate. So if things are starting to climb up over a period of uh, one, two, three weeks, next thing you know, you'll get a notification. Uh, you can have mom send you the trends. You'll take a peek at those trends and you'll realize that she normally lives around 62. Well, over the last four weeks, she's been living at 67. Well, what changed over that four weeks? Is there a reason that we need to go to the hospital and go get checked out? Or can we call the specialist to figure out what's going on? But at least you have an idea and you have a bigger picture of where mom's heart rate typically lives. And it's all information that you could pass on to your care providers. And that is all new with iOS 15. Uh, also with iOS 15, you can securely store verifiable versions of your COVID-19 vaccination. Again, only versions that can be verified. Uh, and any test health re results in the health app on your iPhone or your iPod Touch. Vaccination and test results downloaded in this verifiable format are digitally signed by a vaccine or your test result provider. So again, they have to be verified. You cannot just upload a card uh, and drop it in there. This is kind of similar to providing paper documents with an official seal. Uh, you can download the verifiable vaccination and test results if your vaccine or test result provider supports this format. Uh, again, reach out to your health provider to see if they have that. Uh, another option, and again, I just learned this today while I provided this uh, same talk, is at least in New Jersey, we have paper cards that show uh, COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, with those paper cards, you can upload it to an application called Docket, D-O-C-K-E-T, and then that will reach out and attempt to verify with your personal information that you put in there to give you a QR code and a verifiable record that you can dump into your Apple wallet and therefore push it out and actually have it all the time in your phone. And if you ever go into a venue, a restaurant, a bar, anywhere that necessarily asks you for a verification of your vaccination, that is all now available and you can put it into your phone to be able to carry around with you without carrying the card or risking the card getting damaged. Again, that's a new update with iOS 15. So if you did not update, uh, jump over to iOS 15 and that is available in the health app. Along with that, you also have state IDs and car keys are available now in the wallet. Uh, at least here in New Jersey, it is not available yet for IDs, but it is available in uh, some states that you can put your state ID and your driver's license in there. Uh, important for us, so if your agency happens to ask for IDs to verify uh, patient identification or exactly who they are for medical information, well, a lot of that is now becoming digital. So you may not actually be able to get a uh, card handed to you to be able to take a picture of it, scan it, uh, included in the medical record, it's all now digital and you may just have to take a picture or a screenshot of it and have that sent over to you. Fall detection, again, if you've entered an age of 55 or over, this is turned on by default. Otherwise, you need to go in and actually turn it on. Uh, but if your Apple Watch detects that you're immobile for about a minute, it begins a 30-second audible countdown while tapping you on the wrist and sounding an alert. The alert continues to get louder so you or somebody around you can hear it to be able to go and help you. If you don't want to call emergency services on your phone, there's an option to hit cancel. When the countdown ends, your Apple Watch will automatically contact emergency services and send your location out to you or to the uh, public safety answering point. When the call connects, your Apple Watch plays an audio message that informs the emergency services uh, or the 911 public safety answering point 
that your Apple Watch detected a hard fall and it shares your current location as well as latitude and longitude coordinates. If you've previously turned on the share during emergency call setting under your medical ID, your medical ID is also shared with emergency services. It's a part, it's a application or software that Apple provides to the public safety answering point to receive this information. And Apple does that to free for free to all the public safety answering points for anybody who actually wants it. The first time that message plays, the audio is at full volume, but then the volume is reduced that you or someone nearby can talk to the responder. So it'll continue to play, but it'll get softer as it repeats over and over and over just in case the bystander happens to walk by and is able to talk to 911 and relay what they're actually seeing. That message will continue to play until you hit stop recorded message or the call ends. So if the 911 dispatcher disconnects the uh, call. Risk detection must be turned on for your watch to automatically call emergency services. To do this, jump onto the settings app on your Apple Watch, tap passcode, and then make sure that risk detection is turned on. That's really the only way that this feature is actually going to work for you. So how do we take an EKG? Well, if you have the slideshow in front of you, uh, if you're looking at this visually, I actually have a video from TikTok and it actually goes over how to actually take a EKG on it. It is a lead one EKG and the two points of contact are the back of the watch, uh, which will be point one. Then you have to put your finger on the movable bezel on the right hand side of the watch and that's your second point, and that'll get you about a 30-second lead one, sim something similar to a lead one uh, EKG. Some things you should know that the watch does not detect a heart attack. Uh, if you have any chest pain, pressure, tightness, or anything like that yourself, just call emergency services because uh, in order to detect a STEMI, you obviously need more than one lead. And this is only actually going to give you the one lead. Uh, it can't detect blood clots, stroke, or anything along those lines. It'll give you an AFib notification if it detects irregularity. Um, AFib was tested in about, or the uh, EKG application to record AFib was detected in a clinical trial of about 600 subjects and demonstrated a 99.6 specificity with respect to sinus rhythm classification and 98.3 sensitivity for AFib classification. Uh, the only results that the watch can necessarily give you is sinus, AFib, low heart rate, and inconclusive if it can't figure out what it is. Back in 2017, 2018, research at Stanford University worked with Apple to conduct the Apple Heart Study on the detection of AFib a heartbeat irregularity that is the leading cause of stroke and hospitalization for those not in healthcare. Over 400,000 Apple Watch users participate to help validate the ability of wearable technology to aid in the early detection of this condition. It usually and typically goes undiagnosed with the unless you go to a cardiologist or a specialist and they drop you onto a halter monitor and then monitor your heart rate. Well, if you have this on, you obviously can give them a trend of multiple different tracings if you take your EKG at multiple points. To share a story, a uh, recent coworker of mine uh, wore his Apple Watch, uh, wears it 24 seven. Uh, we work at a, if he comes in, he works at a desk, he drops his Apple Watch onto the charger in the morning when he's catching up on emails. Uh, within about two hours, it's fully charged and he's good to go until the next day. So he has no issues with um, the watch dying because typically it lasts about a day and a half depending on how much you use it. 
Well, uh, a couple weeks ago, he started getting notifications for low heart rate and the regular heart rate, and he took a peek. And once you get the notification, uh, it records that EK. It records what it believes as the irregularity. He wakes up after getting notification on his watch uh, in the middle of the night, two two thirty. He is able to record multiple EKGs over that week period. Uh, he ends up taking a peek. Uh, he is a nurse. He ends up taking a peek, and next thing you know, he's realizing that he's got a lot of trends of being an AFib. Well, he ends up going to his specialist, gets an appointment at a cardiologist, and lo and behold, now he is getting a halter monitor to determine that. But instead of the long 7 to 14 days sometime to wear that halter monitor, they put him on for three days, and within about a week, he's already on medication to help control some of that um rapid AFib that he was feeling in the middle of the night. And that was all because his Apple Watch started alerting him in the middle of the night. So 2, 2.30, getting uh, alerts on his watch to wake him and his wife up while they're laying there. There are third-party apps that will help you analyze and look at this data. Like I said, it is a lot of data, and I think Apple does very well of the way they give this data to you in the health app. But if you don't like it, you can jump on to other third-party applications like Health Analyzer. Again, I don't have any financial disclosure, but this is one of the better ones that I found that do a very good job. Uh, Heart Analyzer by Helix Apps uh, kind of taps into the data collected by your Apple Watch and gives you data in a variety of unique and insightful ways versus just the charts that Apple gives you. Uh, again, it's all the same stuff. It's uh, your O2 sat, it's your heart rates, your EKG results. Um, but they also give uh, new heart reports, uh, redesigned um, the way the heart app actually looks. The home app actually in su uh, summary looks a lot different. Uh, it gives you different custom heart rate zones. You're able to take all that heart rate and transfer it into a CSV file or a Microsoft Excel file. Uh, it gives you different calendar views, uh, EKG comparisons. Again, it gives you a lot more than what the Apple Health app actually gives to you. So again, if you have the uh, presentation up and you're not just listening to the audio, I'm showing you a sinus rhythm. Uh, this is actually an EKG that I did onto myself to give you an example. Like I said, it typically looks like a lead one. In order to get a good tracing, you're gonna need to put your arm onto a flat surface, not really moving around. So no different really than what we're doing with a uh, EKG pre-hospital. Your first contact of your skin will be the back of the watch, and then your second contact, point of contact will be placing your finger on the bezel once you open up the EKG app, and then hold it still for about 30 seconds, and then it gives you a tracing over that 30-second period. You can take that and export that PDF out to uh, your phone, save it into your files, uh, send it via text message, send it via uh, email. Your high and low heart rate notifications on your device uh, the optical heart sensor on the back of that supports a range of about 30 to 210 beats a minute. Really anything outside of that, it can't necessarily calculate and give you a number. Uh, in addition, that optical heart sensor on the back of the device is designed to compensate for low signal levels by increasing the LED brightness and sampling rate. So on the back of the device, if you happen to peek kind of while it's on your wrist and you take a peek at it, you'll see the little green LED lights in, on it. That is what's actually measuring everything. Uh, the technology is based on a simple fact. Uh, blood is red because it reflects red light and absorbs green light. Apple Watch uses the green LED lights paired with the light-sensitive photodiodes to detect the amount of blood flowing through your wrist at any given moment. When your heart beats, well, the blood flow in your wrist kind of goes through and the green light absorbs it. Between beats, it's less. 
So by flashing the LED lights hundreds of times per second, the Apple Watch can calculate the number of times your heart beats each minute, which is your heart rate. Uh, these high and low heart rate notifications are available on Apple Series 1 or later. And again, they're really only designed for ages 13 and up because uh, anything under, obviously, our vital signs are a little bit on the different side. Uh, the littles need a little bit more for um, their vital signs. So their heart rate obviously gets uh, higher the younger you are. Uh, in order to turn on your heart rate notifications, when you first open the heart rate app on your Apple Watch or any time later on your iPhone itself that it's paired into, uh, if you jump on your iPhone, open the Apple Watch app, tap the My Watch tab, then tap Heart, and then there you can go on ha uh, tap High Heart Rate, choose the beats per minute notification that you want as your upper limit, and then jump into Low Heart Rate and choose the lower limit that you want for your beats per minute. The Cleveland Clinic 2020 study, which was independent of Apple, was on the Apple Watch 4. It correctly identified 34 of the 90 instances of AFib, so 41%. Uh, in the 25 patients who had more than one instance of AFib, AFib was identified in 19 of those 25. In patients whose heart were in sinus or normal rhythm, there were no notifications of AFib, indicating there were no false positives in this study. Uh, the Apple Watch 4 obviously gave them a retrievable PDF of those waveform strips and 284 rhythm assessments were gathered from the, uh, uh, from the patients that were participating in the study. In eight instances, a reading failed to generate, and this is counted as an incorrect rhythm interpretation. The rhythm correctly identified 84 of the 90 instances of AFib. And in 25 patients who had more than one instance of AFib, AFib was shown in 24 of those. In patients whose heart were in sinus or normal rhythm, zero instances of AFib were picked up, again, indicating that there were no false positives. So the iPhone does a pretty good job in allowing and notifying you and recognizing that there is an irregular heart rate. With these studies, they cannot happen without research, and Apple always asks for help. Uh, there's actually a little-known app. It's the Apple Research app. Uh, the Apple Research app is exactly how the AFib study kind of came about. Um, a couple years ago, actually plenty of years ago, uh, like I said, 400,000 people participated in this Apple Research app, and that's how they were able to kind of narrow down the AFib notifications that, that occurred. Uh, currently, if you download the Apple Research app from the App Store, there are a few studies that are currently out there. The one that I am uh, participating in is the Apple Hearing Study from the University of Michigan and the World Health Organization, and obviously Apple's part of all of these. If you participate in an application, you'll take about 20 minutes worth of questions. They'll ask you different, um, specifically for the hearing study. They ask, uh, what kind of sounds are you notified to? Do you have any kind of hearing loss? to try and understand a little bit of a baseline of uh, who you are. None of your PHI is shared, so none of that stuff goes to Apple. It's basically voluntarily you asking these questions. You don't get compensated for any of these. Again, it's, it's strictly voluntarily. There's other open studies that are out there. It's the Apple Women's Health Study is also on there from uh, Harvard. Uh, NIH is on there. Uh, we have the Hap Apple Heart and Movement Study, and that's from the AHA and the Brigham and Wilman's Hospital and Apple as well. So there are three studies currently active uh, as of November 2021, and I'm sure there will be more coming along. And all this does is improve technology and improve the way we actually do things uh, with technology and with our smart devices.
Kind of what's in the future? Well, Apple's reportedly working on a new iPhone and Apple Watch feature that detects if you're in a car crash and dials 911 automatically. Kind of similar to the uh, fall feature. The current plans to roll out such a feature in 2022 or 2023. Uh, the Google's personal safety app on the Pixel phones already kind of include a feature to call for help when it detects car crashes, just like connected car services in modern vehicles do. Uh, that includes GM's OnStar, Subaru Starlink, and Fiat's Chrysler Uconnect. Uh, many cars are on the road today are not equipped with any connectivity features, so getting crash detection on an iPhone 2 means more drivers can get help in an accident as long as they have one in their pocket or mounted to their dash. Uh, not a whole lot of information that's kind of released about that. Apple kind of keeps everything close to the cuff, so hopefully more to come with that as it gets released. So where are we going with technology? Well, the one thing that I would absolutely love to see is a way uh, down the road, and I don't know any, and if you do, please hit me up on Twitter at Keta Paramedic. If we go to a scene and a family member was nice enough to put all the information into their Apple Health app of their uh, mother, father, whoever the patient is, and they have all this information available to us, Right now, we have to basically manually scribe all that information down and pass it on. Well, what if there was a way that we could either use RF technology or QR code to be able to scan that with a work phone, and that patient health information now gets transferred directly into not only our notes for record-keeping purposes, but goes into our digital uh, EPCR or a charting system, and then what if it takes it even a step further that once we get to the hospital, we're able to dump it into a, uh, a medical record keeping system like uh, Epic, PowerChart, or something along those lines. That way there is no whisper down the lane and we can continue to pass this information on. Uh, right now there's only a select few health systems out there that will allow the patient to transfer their data to the health system uh, record keeping purposes, or record, uh, uh, records for a physician to look at. So, and that has to be something that the patient needs to actually send over to the uh, facility. But if they call 911, there's really no way for us to take the full content of the information that they have and to kind of keep that with us as we transfer care. There is a lot lost in our transfer of care is whether it be from uh, patient family or caregiver or the patient themselves to EMS, EMS, to maybe a rendezvous with ALS, and then moving on to the ER, transferring that ER information to the nurse, and then ultimately out to the physician who's going to treat the patient. Again, a lot of whisper down the lane, and we lose a lot of information that way. Why can't we simply keep it as a QR code or an RF uh, signal to where we're able to transfer all that information over and then continue and carry that with the patient as we move forward? Uh, there's, I'm hoping that something does happen in the near future with that. Another thing that I see with technology as we move forward, and it's already been mentioned and extremely controversial, and uh, this podcast is definitely not the time to talk about it, but body-worn cameras. Uh, law enforcement is becoming a standard for law enforcement to be wearing these, uh, but body-worn cameras uh, to be worn by healthcare and EMS providers is out there. There's a lot of pros, there's also a lot of cons, and there's a lot of things that we need to work through for patient privacy. I think it would be beneficial to work through some of those things because I, I think it would be extremely beneficial to our profession to be able to document everything we're doing. Uh, for the ALS folks that are listening to this podcast, some places already do this with 
uh, digital laryngoscopy and they attach the entire intubation attempt to their chart, well, why not the entire patient care experience? So there is no ifs, ands, or buts of what we actually did for the patient. Again, it's maybe a podcast for down the road because I know there is a lot of controversy, but I definitely think that you will see body-worn cameras, and they've already made a little bit of appearance, uh, at least domestically here in the United States, but they are out there, and I believe you will see that coming more often than not. With that, I want to thank you for having and taking your time with me today to kind of discuss what Apple has out there for healthcare and where technology is actually going in healthcare. Uh, obviously, there is a lot more out there uh, that can be discussed, but I wanted to specifically talk about Apple because Samsung specifically has a lot of the same features. Uh, they're just a little bit on uh, behind in the aspect of kind of with the medical records. Uh, and Fitbit, unfortunately, does not do so much with the healthcare records. That's why I think Apple right now actually is getting it right. I think we just need to move forward a little bit further. With that, I want to say make sure everyone stays safe, and I'll catch you on the next podcast.